Go in the book of Romans. Romans chapter number two. Are you there? A lot of reading to do today, at least for me anyway. I don't usually do a whole lot of reading on Sunday morning. Romans 2, verse number 4. I've got one minute extra, and I want to need it. Or despisest thou the riches of God's goodness and forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads men to repentance? I like that verse. The goodness of God. The goodness of God leads men to repentance. But after the hardness of your heart, you treasure up unto yourself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds. To them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. But unto them that are contentious, do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil. Now, here's I want you to get this. Of the Jew first and also of the Gentile. But glory and honor and peace to every man that works good to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. For there is no respect of persons with God. Father, I am believing that your anointing, Lord, would rest upon me to preach and upon these ones to hear and to receive this day. In Jesus' name, amen. The Jewish people are a privileged people. And along with privilege comes this word, responsibility. The parable of the talents, one person received five talents. And most people would say, whoa, look at the privilege of that. I say, look at the responsibility of that. Another man receives two talents, and most would say, Look at the privilege of that. But I look at the responsibility of that. One, even though received one talent, people would say, look at the privilege of at least having one talent. My view is, look at the responsibility of that. There are 12 disciples, once we get to heaven, who we're going to be able to walk up to a wall in heaven and see in the foundation of that wall 12 different names of disciples. And you say, look at the privilege of that. I say, look at the responsibility that those men had laid upon their shoulders. You and I are here today in Orchardville in 2012 because 12 men, of course, Judas fell, 
and another one took his place, 12 men had the privilege and the responsibility of the church placed upon their shoulders. And because of those men doing what they knew they were supposed to do was herald out and cry aloud and spare not and go out and tell that Jesus Christ had resurrected. Because of that, we are here today, right now. The responsibility of doing a job, the responsibility of keeping a right spirit. Look in verse 8. They are contentious, quarrelsome, easily offended. Who gave Jesus the most trouble and problems while he was on this earth? Anybody? Pharisees. Pharisees. And you'll see it over and over and over again. They were either quarrelsome at what they were doing or they were easily offended at what Jesus said or did. If you must dispute everything you're a Pharisee. Now think of that. Think of that. If every time you hear somebody say something, immediately you've got to dispute that, you're probably a Pharisee. I saw with my own eyes this happen. A group was gathered together Before the meal began, someone was asked to pray. That person prayed. Everyone bowed their heads. After the prayer was over, people began getting their food. They went back to their seats. And I saw as one young man took his plate of food and put it there on the table before him, sat down and bowed his head and prayed. And the word that came into my mind, that's what a Pharisee would do. That man who had already prayed, his prayer wasn't good enough. So the Pharisee had to pray over his own plate of food. Now, if you're thinking of someone right now, that fits the bill, that's not my fault because I ain't mentioned anybody's name. <laughs> a Pharisee is quarrelsome and easily offended. Most preachers that I know could get up and preach just as good a sermon as I preach every Sunday morning. Most preachers that I know they could make the hospital visits just like I do. They would be just as good at counseling as I am. They would be just as good going to the deacon meetings and the finance team meetings, which is tonight. <sighs> they would be just as good as the responsibility of handling the responsibility of all three branches as I. But let me tell you what separates the men from the boys. It's when people don't like you, it's when people speak against you. You can like this guy or hate him, 
But I have utmost respect for George W. Bush. You know the reason why? While he's president, whether you like him or not, whether you like his politics or not, every day he got out of bed, he knew 90% of what I read, 90% of what I see on TV, 90% of what I hear on the radio is going to be against me. And he went ahead and got out of bed anyway. I like that. I like that. I like that. I respect that. Because there's going to be come a time in your life to where maybe not everybody is saying great things about you. It's what do you do during those times? When we first got here, here's what I heard. How's that little church doing, preacher? Big smile on her face. I'm just telling you from personal experience. Do you know, preacher, that your church is the only church in the county that doesn't have any restrooms? Do you know that? You've told me that like I didn't know that. <laughs> See me on the street. How's it going, preacher? You've been there about a year. You're still in the basement. Yeah, but we're looking to build. We're looking to do something. Yeah, how's it going? Those same, I'm telling you personal experience. Those same preachers now ignore me. They don't know it, but they are flunking the Israel test. Philip and Connie Lewis give me that book to read, Indivisible, by James Robinson. And in that book, he talks about George Gilder. George Gilder has written the book called The Israel Test, which I was able to get my hands on, and I read through that book. God gave us the Bible. You know how he did that? Through the Jewish people. God gave us a Messiah and a Savior. You know how he did that? Through the Jewish people. God called Moses from a bush that was burned and wasn't consumed. It's a picture of Israel. They have for thousands of years, people have contested them. People have went against them. People have tried to exterminate them and tried to burn them up alive, but they are still here and they are not consumed. Thank God. Thank God. The Iranian president, if anybody looks like a weasel, that guy does. Akhmaminejad. That man has failed the Israel test. And someday that man, because of his rejection of the Lord Jesus and his hatred for Israel, that man will go to hell someday. Preacher, what is the Israel question or the Israel test? Here it is. What is your attitude toward people who excel? Do you admire them or do you try to tear them down? Hmm. Hmm. Preacher, some people speak against Orchardville Church. I know they do. Not to me they don't, but I know they do. And I think for the most part it's because they failed the Israel test. Well, you know, when they come up to me and they see me in Walmart and they start uh, uh, smacking down Orchardville, what do I do? And I realize most people don't know what to do. 
Most people are looking at the floor. They don't know what to do. I'm going to help you out here. The moment someone starts doing that, here's what you say. How dare you speak against my church? That's how you do that. We've seen over 150 people get born again just this year alone, and we ain't near through yet. Hundred and sixty-six people and seventy-three people have been baptized, and there are hundred and thirty different ministries. How dare you speak against my church? Years ago there was a guy, he wanted land around here, and he called me up and asking about it. And I said, No, it's not for sale. Well, you know what? That just wasn't the agreement, and, the, and I just don't believe that's what was said. And I, I said, How dare you? And you know, he went from having his mouth full of words to where then he was saying, Well, I didn't know what to say. You need to stand up for your church. And if you can't, you ought to go somewhere else. That's just how I feel about it. It'd be hard for me. I'll just tell you how I feel. It'd be hard for me to go somewhere where I couldn't stand up from a church or a preacher. It's just hard for me. I'll just tell you how I feel about it. Do you think that wealth created by a few can benefit many, or do you assume that someone with wealth has stolen it from others? It's a zero-sum game. It is equivalent of when church is over and you go and get a hamburger, that means somebody on the other side of the world doesn't get to eat a hamburger. I think that kind of thinking is foolish. I think that's foolish. We need, again, this comes from this book, which I think was a great book. We need an economic system that allows the poor to work their way out of poverty and also allows entrepreneurs the freedom to create wealth for themselves and others. Only free economies do that. When Israel down through the years wanted to be like everybody else, God always reminded them of their privilege and their responsibilities. God reminded them of the privilege of them and only them being able to be rescued there in the Passover and then to walk through the Red Sea on dry ground. It was them and not anyone else. God gave the Israelites the Ten Commandments. He didn't give it to the Gentiles. God called them over and over in the Old Testament, my children. But along with privilege comes responsibilities. How many times have I heard this down through the years? Oh, but preacher, when I'm called to preach, it's just like I live in a glass house. Tell me about it. Years ago, there was a woman that got on the phone and said, Mark and Kay are having marriage problems because here's what I seen Sunday morning when church was over I seen Mark get out of his truck and he's got wet clothes and he's not wearing shoes or socks now from where she lives she had been looking at me with a pair of binoculars 
And what had happened, we'd baptized somewhere out in the creek somewhere, and uh, I didn't want to have to ride in the car and get the car all wet, so I just drove my truck and got back home, and, you know, there was that. Yeah, I know about living in a glass house. Short Sledge was telling me that uh, him and Carol, they'd taken off their front door to have the door painted, and they've got just the... Uh, uh, the storm door that's all glass, and he said somebody from a block over, as they, as they drove by on their bicycle, waved at him. And, and he said, they waved at me before I waved at them. <laughs> so he said, they was looking right in my house. <laughs> Tell me about it. Tell me about it. Along with privilege comes responsibility. I've told you this before. Marty Miner told me, Mark, you're the only preacher that I really know. Along with privilege comes responsibility. You will never, you will never see me in a restaurant drinking a beer. Yeah, preacher, you drink your beer at home. Oh, you don't know me very well. You don't know me very well. You don't know me very well. Along with privilege comes responsibility. 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 I walk into Lowe's and it hardly ever fails. I hear these words. Hey, preacher. I walk into Walmart and it hardly ever fails. Hey, preacher. I walk into restaurants, which I do quite a bit, and I hear the words. Hey, preacher. That's responsibility is what that is. In Orchardville Church, you've seen more people get saved this year than any other church in southern Illinois. Let me add something. That's privilege, but that's also responsibility. Last month, Andrew Wilhite, a college grad from Liberty University, his mom and dad own a truck stop in Tennessee and have been receiving our CDs for four or five years. And he said, he is interning in a church in Minnesota. He said, on my way through, I had to stop and see what Orchardville Church is all about. He said, man, am I really surprised that it's this big where it's located. I'm going to tell you something. We've got a certain amount of responsibility on our shoulders. We're not a little church somewhere that nobody knows anything about. That was a man from Tennessee going to Minnesota wanting to make the stop. How many times have truck drivers have, have made the trip to come out here on their way to somewhere else? That is responsibility upon this church. We can't do and be just because we're, ah, just come wheel or wall or status is quo, whatever it takes to get by. No, 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 no. With privilege comes responsibility. We have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to our young people. Amen. Parents, let me tell you something. Just as true as the Bible says in the New Testament in one of the Gospels, Herod wants to destroy the young child. The enemy wants to do that to your young child. As a church... With privilege comes responsibility. I feel that now is the time for Orchardville Church to have its own church camp. Amen. 
Yeah, but preacher, it'd be a lot cheaper if all we done was rent a camp three or four weeks a year like we do now. Let me tell you, along with privilege comes responsibility. This church needs a camp for our kids and every other kid around the community and around all these different counties that could come. It's brand new. It's something that would be cutting edge for them. It would be a help to them. With privilege comes responsibility. And yes, it is about our kids, but it's about everybody else's kids too. And I'll just, I'll just cut right to the chase here. You know what that's going to mean for most people in this church? Sacrifice. But should I have to scream and rant and rave? These young people are worth it. That easy. That easy. They're worth it. They're worth it. So when it's time to get out the boot, don't feel backward about giving and helping out because we want to get this thing done. And instead of the, instead of the, the cowboy boot, I might go out and buy some hip waders and we just have up here. All right, back to Israel. What's your attitude when someone is richer than you? Caroline Glick of the Jerusalem Post said, some people admire success, some people envy success. Those that envy success are those that hate Israel. Israel has 7 million people, and it is second to the United States for innovations in technology. Did you hear that? Amen. 7 million people is all they got. And they're second only to us. Israel is the size of New Jersey. I love bringing this point out because you, don't, you, don't, you ain't going to hear this on TV. Valerie, can I get that right there in red? There's Israel. There's Israel. Here's Egypt. Here's Saudi Arabia, Iraq, Iran, uh, Turkey. There's Lebanon, Syria. All of these places are considerably bigger as you can see, Israel, right there, right there. And yet we got some in our government that says Israel is too big. They ought to give some of their land back. Isn't that incredible? We have some of our government says it's too big, not too small. And it's the size of New Jersey. And with all the, the advancements in technology, with all the, the, what they can do, Israel can do, right in this strip of land, it is not overtaken with poverty as much of Egypt is, as much of Iraq, Syria, as much as Lebanon is. Have you heard lately with Russia and China giving weapons to Syria? And we, in our weak, timid way, say, you shouldn't do that. And they say, shut up. They can do that because of our debt that we owe China. It's getting serious. When wealth is seen as being stolen from the poor, the poor will see it as a right to kill and disrupt capitalist economies. That is the foul message of Hezbollah, of the Muslim Brotherhood, 
of Hamas and Al-Qaeda. Hostility toward the Jews stems from its exceptional values and virtues. God gave them the Ten Commandments, not the Gentiles. God gave, God gave his son through the Jewish people, not us Gentiles. And what's the attitude that you have of exceptional performance? Let me tell you, if it's a sports world, you applaud it. But if it's somebody that's financially better off than you, you don't applaud it. And that's sad. That's where we're at in America. And that's sad. College professor said this to all of his college students as they are, in theory, talking about how it's so right to take from people that have a lot and give to people with nothing. How it's so right to do that. And at the end of the grade, he said, all of those that made an A, it seems unfair because there are people in here that made a D. So those of you that made an A, you're going to get a C plus. And those of you that made a D, you're going to get a C. And the people with an A said, that ain't right. I worked hard for my A. And then the words out of their mouth was the words that was condemning them. Because they knew that other people had worked hard for their financial situation, and for the government just to take it is unfair to the max. 32% of Nobel Prizes are won by Jewish people. This is around the world. 51% of the Wolf Foundation for Physics goes to the Jewish people. 53% of the Enrico, Enrico Fermi Awards goes to Jewish people. 38% of the Duroc Medal for Theoretical Physics goes to the Jewish people. Jewish people are five times more likely once they graduate from MIT to start a business and be successful than anyone else that graduates from MIT. I said MIT. Six million Jews murdered during the Holocaust. Here's something we don't consider. Think of the potential and genius that was destroyed. It may have been the guy that could have cured cancer was in that group. The extreme and excellent way that they go about and do things and you know, there are people today that resent them because they're in Hollywood. They resent them because they basically own the diamond industry. And I know the reason why for that. Because for hundreds of years, they have not been allowed to even own land where they live in whatever country it was at. So they had to invest in something. They invested in diamonds, whereby when they were extracted from that land, they would be able to take those diamonds with them. That's why. That's why they have control of the diamond industry. If there's something in you that wants to hate the Jewish person, that's flat out evil. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jewish. Paul, Jewish. Our Savior, 
Jewish. I'm going to give you something I've seen this week, never seen this, and I've been reading the Bible for quite some time now, and I'll quit with this. In Genesis chapter 49, verses 2 and 4, Jacob, pronouncing a word over each one of his kids, gather yourselves together and hear, you sons of Jacob, and hearken unto... And this is interesting because Jacob's known by Jacob and Israel... But right here he calls himself Israel. And hearken unto Israel your father. Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might, the beginning of my strength, the excellence of dignity, the excellency of power. You're unstable as water. You will not excel. Here's the reason. Because you went up to your father's bed. Yeah, he had sex with a stepmom. He wanted something that didn't belong to him. He was envious of what his own father had. He was envious of what Israel had. And he was condemned for it. That just kind of really just summed all that up for me. Don't ever be envious of Israel. The Bible says we're to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. That's what commanded to us. We're to pray for them. Don't be envious of them. Don't be envious of them. Bow your heads, please. God, help us not to be envious or to have a jealous heart concerning what you have done through the nation of Israel. And Lord, help us just to carry that through as well. Help us not to be envious of a church that's winning more people to Jesus than what we are. God, help us to applaud that. Lord, help us not be envious of a preacher that can preach better than we can. Help us to applaud that. Lord, help us not to be envious of a singer that can sing better than we can. Help us to applaud that. Help us not to be envious of someone that has a better house, better car, better this, better that. Help us, God, to applaud that. Or don't let envy, like we preached last week, like a moth that slowly eats away at us. Don't let that happen in our life. Or this day, as we have preached and we honor Israel, we honor who they are as a people, we honor what they have done as a race, but, Lord, right now we come down to this part of this service, which is twofold. We are going to pray for Israel, and we want to pray for anyone who's never asked Jesus to be the Lord of their life. We want to do that today. Would you please remain with your heads bowed? If there are anyone here today that you've never, you've never asked Jesus to be your Savior, you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord, would you please raise your hand where I can see it? Anybody here? I don't want to miss you. Hold your hand up high enough for I can see. Okay. All right. Don't look like anybody. All right. I want to give you that, that chance. When they begin playing, what we want to do, we want to as a church, and I know not everybody can gather up around here, but I want as many as can possibly do it. And you don't have to come and kneel. I know it's hard for some people to kneel. 
But just as a, as a sign of, of, yes, we are praying for Israel, yes, we do want to obey God's command in this. Yes, we do have a nation to honor, or a day to honor the nation of Israel. We want, to, we want you to, many as you can, just to gather across the front. And you may have to stretch from wall to wall. If you do, that'd be fine. But let's just gather up here together, and we're going to, collectively, we're going to pray for the nation of Israel. right now to you, God, collectively as Orchardville Church, people that love and honor your name. And God, we know that to honor your name is to honor your word. And Lord, in honoring of your word, we lift up right now the nation of Israel. God, they are that people of Abraham that are the sand of the sea. They are, Lord, your earthly people. And we ask and pray, God, for your continued blessing, protection upon them, Lord God. And I know, God, that there are going to be a time when the forces of the world will be gathered against them. But, God, we ask and pray for their divine protection. We ask and pray, God, for your hand upon their leadership. Help them, God, to make decisions, Lord, that it be a continued blessing upon them. And, God, help us as a nation, as a nation. Lord God, all the way from the White House to my house, help us as a nation to bless Israel. Oh God, that there would be no question about that. We're honoring you, Lord God, in honoring your people. We honor you, Lord God. We thank you, God. You are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Lord, all the blessings, Lord God, that we as the church have been grafted into the vine. We thank you for that. And Lord, we're certainly this day, God, we're not envious of Israel. God, we enjoy, we enjoy what you've done through her. Thank God, thank God, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Bless and minister, help and touch, flow through them. In Jesus' name, we're praying and believing. Thank God, thank God, thank God. We bow our hearts, we bend our Oh, Spirit, come make us humble. We turn our eyes from evil things. Oh, Lord, we cast down our idols to give us clean hands. Oh, give us pure
Lori, give me that uh, map again, if you would. Can we find that map? Church, I want you to think of this. The next time you hear these words on TV or on the radio, or even read it on the internet where it says that Israel needs to give up land for peace, I want you to remember this map. There's Israel. You gotta be kidding me. They're to give up some of this when the Arabs control all of that. You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. Right through there. You gotta be kidding me. Yasser Arafat, one of the men to receive a Nobel Peace Prize of all things. And his greatest thrill was when a Jewish person was killed. And Yasser Arafat, when asked what nationality he was from, he said, I'm from an ancient people. I'm from the Amalekites. There was a reason God told King Saul to destroy the Amalekites, but he wouldn't do it. And all that they want to do is keep Arab right there in what they call the West Bank, right in through there, as a thorn in Israel's side. And we've even got people high up say that, that Palestine, they ought to be able to have their own sovereign nation right there. Can you imagine? That means they'd be able to fly a plane and have a sovereign right to do that right over their land. But then if they wanted to, they could fly right over Israel and Israel wouldn't have the time to be able to stop them dropping a bomb or shooting a missile or whatever. You land for peace, you gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. It's the size of Joyzy. Gotta be kidding me. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. It's a mandate that God's given to the church. I've said this before. In America, we just think that, that Jesus wore a three-piece suit and he was head of the Baptist Association. He wasn't. He wasn't. Jewish man. He was a Jewish man. Born to the Jewish people. They gave us the Savior. We'll be in heaven a million years from now and still rejoicing because God worked through the Jewish people to give us a Savior. Thank God. Thank God. Thank you all for being here. We ask you to be in prayer concerning camp. We need a camp. Oh, man, we need a camp. We need a camp. What else are we looking at? That's right. Thank you for reminding me of that. Now, here's what I mentioned earlier. Here's my, there's a method to my madness. We need a camp. We need a camp. We need a camp. Orchardville Church has given money into a camp, a Jewish camp, I might add. The Bible talks about reaping what you sow. I figured we need a camp, a good way to receive back supernaturally from God is to sow money into a camp. So we've sold money into this camp, Migdal Or, and Yao, the guy Jewish as Jewish can be, and it's hard to understand his English, but I bet it'd be even harder to understand your Hebrew.
wouldn't it? I bet it would. I bet it would. Let's roll that, please. After the six-day war, then I decided to leave Jerusalem and to come to Migdala Emek. And in this time, Migdala Emek was one from the worst places in Israel. Crime, drug, many, many problems. And I arrived here, and we started to work. And people tell me my brother's in jail, my father's in jail. After three years, I decided that these children or they're in the jails, they're going to crime. They lost. If somebody will take him at the right age, 10, 11, and give him love and education, they can make, build them the best kids. We started with 18 kids, and Baruch Hashem, today we have 6,500 kids, and every year is growing and growing and growing because the success himself brought that everybody knows. So if he has a problem with a child, from the north till the, till the south, Migdal, oh, this is the place. And if not this place, they will be lost in the streets, they will be in jail, they will be in drugs, they will be finished. Nobody in Migdal, oh, pays tuition. They have not money for clothing. They have not money for medical. They have not money to eat. Sometimes we send food for the homes for the children. One kitchen here go out 10,000 meals a day. Migdal, oh, is a place that's saving thousands of children. And if people help us, it became a partnership from Atzolus Nefoshis, from saving life. When you help this child to grow up in Migdalo, they will take care of their child and grandchild. This is for, for generation, generation. I want Orchardville Church to be a place that could save thousands and thousands of kids. It is our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677.